I'm really excited. Uh, I feel like 2024, this is going to be a good year for our community. And we, we really wanted to do something a little bit different. Last year, we walked through the books of Luke and Acts. And we have this kind of value of prayer. I heard Andy talk about it so many times. We don't worry about anything. We pray about everything. And I, I really thought, man, I, I, I hope that every one of us feels the confidence in our actual daily prayer life to actually be able to converse, communicate, listen, hear the whispers and the promptings of the Lord. And what we're going to do from now until Easter is kind of walk through an entire series on prayer. But before we like dive into, oh, how do we pray for our friends or how do we intercede or confession or all of those kinds of prayers, we want to start with ourselves. We want to start with actually what's happening within us. Because I'll tell you what, I think that there's so much in our world today that is about the self. You see it like self-help books. Focusing on the self. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of it that I'm actually like very intrigued by. I, I don't have shade towards it. But I think in some ways we've taken a biblical concept and it's just drifted 2 degrees, 7 degrees, 8 degrees, 13 degrees away from how actually God arranged us, wired us, made us. And I'll tell you what, for the last year I have been kind of in the scenes just reading as much as I can on one word. And I'll talk about that word in a moment, but this word has um, something I just didn't know much about. It's the word, the soul. And, and when you think about the soul, maybe some of you, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I think for some of us, maybe we think of the soul um, being 21 grams. And that's often what they say, the, the weight differential between when someone's alive and when someone passes, is that there's 21 grams different. And many people used to talk about, hey, that's, that must be the weight of the soul as it begins to kind of permeate into the next reality, wherever you go. And, and some of us think, oh, that's the soul. Sometimes we think about the soul as, oh, what actually happens within us, it's like we save souls, and we save souls, and it's the soul that actually goes to heaven. That's what I grew up learning, grew up thinking. I'm not even sure someone told me that, but that's kind of how I connected all of these pieces when it came to the soul. But what I re began to realize was the soul is everything to the follower of God. The soul is what makes you you. The soul is so crucial. And oftentimes... I. I'll be honest, I've never heard a series done on the soul. And, and, and it's one of the, 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 the themes that are talked about throughout the scriptures is the soul. And oftentimes when we think about prayer, we're like, oh yeah, I'm just communicating with God. But, but what, what, what's going on in your soul? So today we are going to talk about the soul. Next week we're going to talk about the soul. And then we're going to continue on helping us live the most integrated, aligned lives possible. That sound good? All right, here we go. Here we go. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. If we're going to talk about prayer, we're going to begin with the one verse that I believe 
If you want to know what the Jewish people actually hang their faith on, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They're hoping that a Messiah will come. But if you want to know like, what they hold to be the tenets of their faith, it would come from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, 5, 6 through 9. We'll make our way through it. But here's the first part of that verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. Now, if you go back to Genesis, you, you know that when God created humanity, he says, let us make man in our own image. So right from the jump of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, you have the sense that God let us, you have the sense, you have the spirit that's hovering over the chaos, you have let us, God, Father, Holy Spirit, Son, all there making out of the dust of the ground a living soul. And yet, the Jewish people have this unique ability to say, yes, let us, plural, and the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, I'm going to teach you a little Hebrew. These six words in Hebrew are the next slide. We're going to say it together. I'll say it once so you get a sense so you don't, like, spit on the person in front of you. Um, but we're going to say it because I, I want you to learn a little bit of it. Um, it's Shema Re'el. Adonai Hinu, Adonai Chad. All right, let's try it one time all together, all right? And get, really get the ch into it, you know what I mean? Get that, feel that, all right? Shema Reel, Adonai Hinu, Adonai Chad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Now, the word Chad in Hebrew is beautiful. It is the word one. It, it, it's the sense of like, integrity. It's the sense that the Lord is the fullness. The Lord is whole. If you go to the next slide, you'll see in the sense of what the Lord is. The Lord, our God, is one. It's the fullness of healthy integration. It's not fractured. It's not splintered. God is not disintegrated in any way, shape, or form. What you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you know is one. Not splintered. Not one way over here and one way over here and one way with these people and one way with these people and one way over here. He is one. Father, Son, Spirit is one. Now, if you continue on, in that passage of Deuteronomy chapter 6, you begin to see that there is so much more that's happening. It says this, because I think in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, but before we get there, you have to understand that all of this has to force us to recognize, okay, if God is one, then what is the goal of the Talmudim? And Talmudim is, is, is Hebrew for disciple. What is the, what is the, the goal of the apprentice of Jesus? What is the goal of the student of Yahweh and Jesus? What's that goal? And the goal of a Talmudim, of Jesus, is also to be one. Integrated. Whole. And living with integrity. You mean what you say. You are fully present. You're the same one space as you are in another space. There is this healthy sense of alignment. And, and what's interesting is, I feel like in our culture, we were often taught how to really compartmentalize, how to multitask, 
how to manage, how to be one person over here and one person over here and one person over here. But if we understand that our job is to be image bearers of our God and our God is one, then the invitation for us is also to be one. So the question is, how do we do it? Like, how, 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 do, how do we do it? I think we all want to embody a more integrated, aligned life with what we say we believe, with how we choose to live. But oftentimes, I think for many of us, in the heat of the moment, we don't necessarily know how to do it. And this is what I've spent the last year just relentlessly trying to figure out, talking with mentors and talking with leaders and reading as much as I can. Some of it not helpful at all, and some of it was profoundly helpful. But I want you to see something. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5, it says, The Lord God is one, and then all of a sudden it says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. I think some of you have heard me say this before, but the word strength in Hebrew is the word mahore. They don't actually have an accurate translation for it. The best word to translate strength or mahore is your muchness. So love the Lord your God with all your muchness. Every atom, every molecule. Love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Continues on, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, and it says this beautifully. It says... These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, what's amazing is is if you go to a Jewish home, they have something called a mezuzah. It's a little box on the door frame. And oftentimes, it's just a reminder to say the Shema. That's what this prayer is known. And Shema literally means hear, Shema Israel, hear, O Israel. It was this, this sense of, of hearing, reintegrating back with God, reconnecting, realigning yourself. And throughout the day, as you walked along the roads, or as you talked about your, this whole idea of faith or walking with God, the whole concept was that you would impress this prayer and the commandments, and there were 613 of them, onto your kids. So that at any moment when they felt disintegrated or they felt misaligned, that this prayer somehow could help us become one again. And if you're familiar with the teachings of Jesus, you know that Jesus in Matthew and Luke and in Mark actually quotes the Shema as the greatest commandment. And yet he adds a word to it because I think he actually understands there's something even more connected to this. We see this in Mark chapter 12. It'll come up on the screen. And it simply says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debate. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, of all the sacred deeds and mitzvot, which is the most important? Look what Jesus says. The most important one, he answered, is this. Shema Reel, Adonai Elhinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, what word did Jesus add there? Mind, good, good, right there. With all your heart, soul, 
mind, and strength. Now think about this. What does the heart represent? What does the mind represent? What does the the body or strength represent? What does the soul represent? And for me, this is where I started to begin to recognize learning from voices like John Orberg and Dallas Willard and, and various others, beginning to discover, man, the soul, there's something here. There's something for us in the way that we actually orient our life and orient our faith journey. And if we can get this right, I think we'll actually hear God more. I think we'll actually be more attuned to God in the everyday. I think it will change the way in which we feel a little off, but how to get back into proper integrity and alignment with the Lord. So these four words, heart, soul, mind, and body. Now let's talk about the heart. What is the heart? The heart actually in in, in Jewish culture really centered around the will and intention. It was the sense of like, you have this choice. What is the, what is the heart? In Hebrew, it's the word leb. Like, what, what, is, what is the sense of like this intention, this choice, this will? I have this willpower. I have this thing in my heart that I want to do. That's the heart. But about the mind. The mind represents all the thoughts. Good thoughts. Tempting thoughts. Comparing thoughts. Envious thoughts angry thoughts. It also thinks about the conscience, what's actually happening, how you see reality. So you have a heart, you have a mind, and then the body. The body is like the temple. It's where, like, where, where heaven and earth meet. That's where the temple was. And somehow in the body, in this temple, in your temple, in us as a church, the body represents what happens on our face. You ever, you ever been talking with someone and they're nodding their head, but their face that they're giving you is just that resting, whatever that word is, face. You know what I mean? You know, the, you know those people? It's like there's, there's something about even though they're nodding, but their face is not actually in alignment with what their body's doing. Does this make sense? So the, the body has, has a sense of face, but also has a sense of body language, but also has a sense of, like, actions, what you choose to do with your hands, what you choose to do in worship, what you choose to serve, what, all of that. And, and to, to actually become human is somehow that these three come together in the sense of the soul. And this, for me, has changed everything. This is what Dallas Willard said. Um, he says the soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and alivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. Just, just, just sit with that for a moment. The soul is the aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and alivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. Another way to simply say it is the soul is the life center of what it means to be human. Now, I have this flip chart, so let me try and draw this out. I'm not an artist. My wife is. I am not, but I'm going to try. And what I think about this is kind of the sense, if, if, this, if the soul is this life center of what it actually means for us to be human, and the goal of a Talmudim is to actually 
be more like our rabbi. And our rabbi, Jesus, was one, wasn't fractured, wasn't splintered, wasn't disintegrated. He walked with integrity. And that is our hope and desire. The church at its best would be people who walk with integrity. So let's talk about this. If you have the heart, and the heart represents will, intention, and choice. That's the heart. And then all of a sudden, you've got the mind. And the mind, it represents thoughts, feelings, conscience. And then all of a sudden, you've got the body. And the body represents your face, your actions, your body language. Here's what the beautiful piece is, is this is the soul. And the soul is working to actually integrate. This is the truest part of who you are. The most beautiful, just most potential, most stunning, most healthy part of you is this integrated sense that is the soul. And the healthier that you get as a human, the healthier that you get as a Talmudim of Jesus, the healthier that you get, the more that the soul takes resonance and the more that these three become one. So let's talk about this, though. I get that. Some of you are like, oh, that's, that makes sense. That makes sense. But let's talk about sin. Because that's a fun word to talk about. Because here's, here's what you have to understand. Is you think about sin, and sin gets this bad rap off the time. Oftentimes, the way that people talk about sin, it's often connected to shame. Let's just talk about it with real, plain art. If the soul, primary job is to integrate the heart, the mind, and the body, then what does sin do? Disintegrates. So the soul integrates and sin disintegrates. And what ends up happening, this is what the soul wants. The soul wants this just to get bigger and bigger and bigger where you feel more sense of confidence and more sense of joy and more sense of contentment oh, every single day. And yet sin and the enemy wants there to be an internal war within you. You ever had that, mo that moment going on where your mind's telling you one thing, your heart's telling you another, and your body's like, I hate you both. <laughs> That's all sin wants to do. I, I often don't need to be tempted by anything outside because all of a sudden, sometimes I feel the enemy is just like at work, just trying to disintegrate. When you think about this, just from another drawing, just so we can make it really make sense. It's what the enemy wants. Is it to be like, like this? And in therapeutic language, what would they would call this? Are these, what the enemy will often do, is create... These heart, mind, body, this is the soul. That they would almost be exiled. And almost like the, the body. And for some of you, some of you get this. If you're really, really honest, you get this. Some of you, you don't actually feel a healthy attachment to your body. 
Some of you, you really get this when it comes to the, the heart. You, you, you get this and like, man, you, know, you, don't, you don't really feel connected to what's actually happening with Will. Or some of you, like in the mind, the mind is, is almost like it's all over the place. It's just, it's constantly scattered and you, you just, you can't seem to ever turn the brain off. And there's no shade there. There's no, there's no, I'm, there's nothing bad about that. But the reality is the enemy just wants to have all of those parts of you exiled to get as far away from who you actually are. And that's your soul. And that's your soul. So imagine, imagine being the kind of person who prays from this place, just scattered. But think about the kind of person, if you could actually pray, and your mind, and your body, and your heart, I'm not saying it's perfectly one, but it's a lot more integrated than disintegrated. Think about how much you'd be able to hear God's voice more. Think about how much you'd be able to stand before a safe God who is consistent. Think about how much you would experience the presence of God everywhere you went. Think about how safe you would be, how consistent you would be. And part of the work that I've been learning and and studying and working on is within all of this, the heart, the mind, the body, there are all these parts. And some of you who are IFS trained, you are knowing what I'm talking about right now. And part of what I'm learning is realizing, oh my goodness, this whole piece is, is recognizing that the soul wants to actually hold space for all of these parts to come into a healthy sense of integration. But then I realized something, and this is why this is so important for the kickoff of the new year. You ever realize you learn something and the real struggle is then how do you actually apply it to your life? If Jesus is saying, hey, this is the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But you know what he says? He doesn't just say that verse. He says, Shema Reel, remember God is one. If God's one, then our job is to work in a way. And this prayer is going to help us be one. And when we're one, we will make wiser decisions. We will live from a healthier, more grounded place. But here's the piece. You're not going to drift towards a healthier you. You're not going to drift towards this. You will drift towards this. It's just the way that the world works. You're going to have so much that's coming at you. Your spouse is going to do something you don't wish they, they wish they didn't do, wish they didn't say. Your kids aren't going to do the thing that you wish they wanted them to do on the time or the way that you wish they did it. Your friends, the people close to you. There's going to be all of these moments of life where many of us are going to feel far away from our soul. And our minds, our heart, our body are just going to be scattered. And a couple weeks ago, if you remember... We spent some time just in silence. And some of you, like, I got so many emails about that. I got so many people who came up to me and told me, like, thank you for that. There was one moment where we were sitting in silence, and then if it hit, and I didn't even plan it. I, I wish I would have. I'm not that smart. But, like, the church bells started ringing. And we all started to hear it. And it was just like the sense of, like, oh, man. 
And this is the most beautiful piece is when you can actually sit with silence before a God who is safe and consistent. What ends up happening is you get the sense to actually bring all of these exiled parts back into healthier integration and alignment. Now, this is one of my favorite quotes, and this has become my quote for the year. Um, it's from John Orberg, um, and I, I, I want us to think about this. Because this quote, if I'm really, really honest, I'm terrible at. And, and, and we were talking recently, and I was asking him these questions about this, this quote because he said this like many, many years ago. And I remember writing it down and um, I brought it back up to him. And I just, I, I think about this. This is, this is our responsibility. And here's the quote. That every one of us must arrange our days that we are experiencing deep contentment and joy and confidence in our everyday life with God. <sighs> Doesn't that sound beautiful? Deep contentment. Like, I don't need anything from anybody else. I have everything that I need from God. I'm arranging my days where I'm experiencing the most amount of joy. That's like a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual responsibility. But somehow the contentment and the joy, when you actually are doing that and hearing from God, gives you a sense of confidence in your everyday life with God. And for the first few years I heard this phrase, all I thought about was contentment, joy, and confidence. And as a three on the Enneagram, I was like, I'm going to figure out how to get content and be joyful and confident in the Lord. And you know what I didn't do is I didn't arrange my days that way. Hoping and thinking that somehow I can become more content. Hoping and thinking I can be filled with more joy hoping and think I can actually be more confident in what I know about the Lord and his goodness and his grace. But then all of a sudden I started to realize this. No, 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 no. We all have 168 hours. And sitting on January 7th, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? Nine of you. Fantastic. <laughs> how many of you made them and already gave up on them? Yeah, okay. The rest of us. I started to think about this going, okay, if we're going to be the kind of people, because I don't know any Christ followers that say, you know what, Steve, you know what I really want to be? I want to be the most disintegrated, self-sabotaging disciple as humanly possible. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. But I think for many of us, we, we want to be the kind of disciples who mean what they say, say what they mean. I, I have learned in these last few years that as much as I want to go fast, to do it healthy is an invitation to go slow. And there will be moments that I'll be in a conversation with someone and I can feel the disintegration happening. I, I didn't use that language back in the day. I just felt the frustration and I gave it full access to take over because I watched it in my home growing up. But then all of a sudden, I started to say, hey, can I just take a few minutes and just walk and just sit 
and to spend time and go, what's going on in my heart? What's happening in my mind? Where am I feeling this in my body? Have you ever had a moment where you're talking to someone and you just start to feel it in your body? Some of you are like, when you talk, Steve, I feel it (laughs) all in my neck and my shoulders. But you you have this moment, right, where where all of a sudden we, we, we... We talk about the incarnation. That is what the Advent story is that God came and took on a body who had a heart, who had a mind, who was with us, who was for us, who showed us how to be one. And we've just done a great job of learning a ton of facts about him rather than actually learning how to slow it down and go, I want to be one. I want to do this. So here's what we're going to do. Two things. One is we're going to spend some time practicing here because I think it's really, really important. And I'm going to create two scenarios. Two scenarios. And I just want you just for a moment to try and get in tune, attune yourself to what is going on within you. And then just recognize The soul integrates and integrates to be more in the way of Jesus and sin disintegrates, trying to pull all those parts together. And what if you could just spend a few moments and go, yes, content, joy, confident in my soul, rest with God. And then just if you find yourself going, I can't get there, that's fine too. This is all practice. But just be aware of that. No shame, no shade. We'll do this two times, I'll ask a couple questions, and then I'll give one more homework assignment, and then we'll finish with communion. Sound good? You okay with this? All right. If you want to get comfortable, you can. Uh, if you want to, like, open up your hands, you can. Palms up if that's helpful. You don't have to. If you want to close your eyes, you can. If you want to journal, you can. There's, there's, there's no perfect way to do this. Um, but here's the first scenario. You pull into the garage. You close the garage door. You walk inside. And there's nobody there. You just walk to the computer. You decide to go on Facebook. And someone says something. And all of a sudden, it, it's, it's, it feels not right, not just, not pure. It feels like a massive generalization about a group of people. And all of a sudden, you have a moment right here. And just spend a moment, like, maybe you've had one of these moments. Maybe it's something on a computer, maybe it's been on your phone, whatever that is. But just, just think about, what are my, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my mind? What's going on in my body? And what's the invitation of the soul?
And sometimes for me, I think about when I've been most disintegrated in that moment, what have I done? Rolled up my sleeves and got into an online social media fight and destroyed that person. Felt so good, except for my soul. Let's give another situation. You have expectations. We all have expectations. You have expectations for how an evening's supposed to go. It's either you and your friends, you and your small group, you and your spouse, you and your kids. And those expectations have not been voiced, but they're living within you. And we all know that, that all pain and anger and frustration and sadness is, is the space and gap between our expectation and reality whatever that gap is. But the unvoiced expectation doesn't happen. So what happens inside of you? What happens in your heart? What happens in your mind? She doesn't love me. She doesn't get me. He doesn't care. They don't know. What happens in your body? Start to feel it. And what if that moment, instead of just seeing it, and allowing the enemy to disintegrate you. Hero is real. Hero is real. Lord is God. Lord is one. How do I see this with a proper perspective? How do I feel this with a proper understanding? How do I live a life that's correlated and integrated more into the way of Jesus and not disintegrated like the rest of the world in so many facets. Okay, quick time out. What are you all thinking right now? Are some of you like, have, did you go to Sedona? Like, are you like woo-woo right now? Like, what are you, like, honestly, like, because I'm really, really curious about this. Because this, this for me, before I can actually get to a part of like praying for everyone and everything, I'm trying to slow it down and just go, what's actually happening? So thoughts, pushback, questions. Oh, well, you're awesome. <laughs> Wait, but but, but what, what else? What else? Is there, is there, is there moments? Is it, does, it, is it, does it feel like, can you imagine like in, in a tense situation, if you could just take a step and just like, what's happening? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to let the enemy disintegrate it. In Hillsong language, devil not today. Like it's, it's, it's like, how do I stay grounded and rooted and aligned? What else? Anybody else? What? Why do you feel guilt? That's great. Yes. So you have those moments where all of a sudden it like takes over. I have had so many of those moments where all of a sudden it's like the frustration and I let those feelings take over or I let myself be disintegrated. But here's the beautiful part. No better, do better. That's kind of what we say in our house. No better, do better. Learning, oh, I don't need to actually do that. And I can slow it down and actually go, hmm, what does this mean? How do I, and, and here's, the, here's the gift of it. When you're slowing it down, who are you slowing it down with? The Lord. And actually being more present to Bithia's word with the Lord in his safe presence. And all of a sudden it's, and I've had these moments where I feel like the Lord's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Peter wanted to cut a dude's ear off. At least you're not doing that. 
And, and if you even read the Psalms, sometimes the Psalms, you ever read those? David's like, I can't stand that enemy. I want to take his head and crush it on a rock. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, I don't know how he does that. <laughs> but some, sometimes when you feel so safe and you feel those parts being exiled, but you can actually go, God, I really want to say this online. I really want to get that person. I really, I, I. And God's like, yeah, I get it. Say it to me and not to them. Hmm, healthier integration. Because the soul integrates and sin disintegrates. All right. Now, here's, here's the homework assignment. Next week, I'm going to have a file cabinet. A file cabinet. Because I went to the dentist, and I love my dentist. And first time in, since I previously lived here, I went back to that dentist, and I needed to go. Now you're all looking at my teeth. But um, they had a file cabinet, and they, 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 they had, like, files for the patient's. I found myself like really, really fascinated by like uh, the files. I went to a doctor's office. Doctor's office had files. I kind of wanted to see what was in my file. And, and, and then I started to realize this. Man, you know what's interesting is like, I think sometimes we come to church and we learn something, but then it's like, all right, go off and figure it out. But how do we actually do this together in solidarity? And, and you know, you've heard me say this, and Bria say this, and Leonard say this, Andy say this. Like, our whole vision of this church is doing life together with God, with Christ, with ourselves, with creation, with each other. This is life together. And the way that we do that is through the directions. And these directions, I think, are really, really important. And in many ways, these directions, I believe, are this incredible invitation for a rule of life. A way at which we can actually walk in deeper formation. And so here's what I want you to ponder, because if our job is to arrange our days where we are experiencing the most contentment, joy, and confidence in our everyday walk with God, we're not going to drift there. We're not drifting towards this. We're drifting to this. But what if we were intentional? So I'm going to put this on social media, but I want you to see these directions. Next week, part of the teach is I'm going to hand you a piece of paper and a file And what I want is from now until Easter, going backwards, what are you reading? What are you reading in the scriptures? Might be the gospel. I'm I'm trying to read the gospels and the Psalms from now until the end of Easter. Who are you going forward with? Who are you doing life together with? Who are your people? It could be mentors. It could be small group. It could be people you're discipling. Upwards, how are you pursuing God's presence? And we'll walk through all of this next week. How are you pursuing God's presence? And how are you hoping to grow in that? And then going inward, what's the inward journey that you're working on? What's that work? Is it maybe a fruit of the spirit you're trying to learn? Is it, is it actually trying to learn about healthier integration? What prayer? What, what, what is that inner journey? And then outward, how are you going outward with your story, with serving, generosity, with your faith? How, how are you going outwards? And just from now till Easter, and if you begin to actually write those stuff down, take a picture of it, we'll put it in the file cabinet, but then like, can you imagine if a few times each year we looked at those and we're like, I actually got better at that. I didn't react. I actually were able to sit and just actually receive from God, and I I allowed my soul 
to kind of lead out on God whispering and finding rest in his presence, I actually think we'll be a healthier person, a healthier disciple, but I actually think we'll be a healthier, safer church. Does that sound okay? All right, so next week, just be thinking about this. Next week, I'll lead it out. We'll talk about it. We'll go from there. But before we go any farther, you got your communion elements? Now, um, I love the act of communion um, because communion is something that we receive. We don't earn it. We don't take it. All we do is receive. And um, that's the gift. That's the gift of what happens. And I, I think when Jesus gathered his, his Talmudim, his disciples, and he had this simple meal, he just reminded them, hey, in any moment, you can reintegrate with what this whole kingdom movement is about. At any moment, at any moment that you feel misaligned or disintegrated, your, your mind's scattered over here, your heart is feeling all of this here, your body, you just, you just want to detach from it here. Like somehow that the act of communion brings it all together in the grace that was poured out on the cross for us the blood that was poured out on the cross for us, the gift that was poured out on the cross for us. But before we take this, Andy texted me as well, Bithia, last night and said, hey, um, would you uh, be willing to lead communion? I was like, I, yeah, totally. And um, the, I went into my room and the first thing I saw was this jersey. And I thought, you know what? I have not talked at all in the message about tomorrow night's game. And so I started to think about myself. Can I have one volunteer? One volunteer. Right there? Oh, all right. Perfect. Vanessa Strain, new grandma. All right. Do you mind putting this on? That's fantastic. Now, that's the one jersey that's given to person of high integrity and character, um, that, that jersey is yours, right? To double XL, I'm sorry. Um, but the beauty is it's a great prop because the truth is anytime that we as followers of Jesus, like we, um, we actually will spend the rest of our lives living into the name and the title and the goodness that was shed for us the rest of our life. And, and there's nothing you can do that can earn that. It's just, it's just yours. But now, like, actually every single day, you walk out in that jersey, the respect, you're a winner, you get to talk about what happened tomorrow, like, with such joy. But, like, there's going to be this sense of pride. And, and, and again, that's, that's what this whole gift is. At every single moment, like when you feel disintegrated, to come back and go, he died for me. He died for you. He poured out his grace for me, for you. And every moment that I don't think that I'm worth it or believe it, it's still true. And he's like, you're on the team. You're with me. 
And I'm never leaving you nor forsaking you. And so for any of you who feel in this moment disintegrated, exhausted, and let's just say this really quickly. This is the hardest thing to do in Christendom is open this perfectly. I can never do it. Take out out this piece of bread, a wafer of sheer goodness. And just remember Christ breaking himself open and pouring himself out so that you could be reminded and know deep within your being and your soul that you matter and that you are worth it to God and to the Spirit and to the Son. Let us eat. And the cup, I've been trying to do this more with every cup, whether it's water, LaCroix, whatever's in it. It's just every cup I hold being reminded of the new covenant. This is what's new. Is that I actually get to live from a place where my soul is finding rest. My days are being arranged where I'm experiencing contentment and joy and confidence. And the only reason that's possible is because of the gift that he gave us on the cross and what happened three days later. And with every cup that is in your hand, may it be a fresh reminder of what is new, what is possible for you and your soul and this year. Let us drink. And so God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift that you gave us on the cross, the way that you modeled what it looks like with a healthy heart, mind, body, soul, in alignment with the Father and the Spirit. And you invite us to do the same. And God, I pray great things. I pray that this is the year of the Lord's favor on this church. I pray that this is a year of not just favor, but a year of integration. I pray this is a year where we're not scattered and all over the place, but a year where there is a sense where life together, where we actually are one in you and in in each other. And God, I pray that you would protect the, the enemy from trying to disintegrate the good that is happening in this space, the good that is happening within each of my friends. And I pray that this would be a year that we go deeper and deeper and deeper in what it means to have faith, what it means to pray, and what it means to embody the ways of your son. We love you, we trust you, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Happy 2024. If you are new, we'd love to meet you. And with that, my friends, grace and peace. We'll see you next weekend.